Welcome to the Church Plus Podcast. Church Plus is a conversation around growing trends, best practices, and how stuff works in your local church. My name is John Bennett. I'm going to be your host today. Very excited about my interview, and I'll introduce my guests in just a moment. But here's what I believe right now, fall of 2021. This is one of the greatest opportunities to dream big, cast new vision, and think about expanding your church's mission. Now, I know... So many of us are struggling just to get people back in the building. I get that. But I believe the resources right now to dream big are there. Now, if you're a frequent listener of Church Plus, last month in my interview with Dave Travis, we talked about the current resource state, the financial state of the United States of America. And we unpacked the entire idea of why we believe resources are there right now. And this is one of the greatest opportunities to launch something new in your church. The pandemic has afforded church leaders to do some things, try some things, expand some things that all of us back in March or April 2020 would not have believed as possible. But squarely in the middle of that discussion is the discussion about cryptocurrency. It looks like crypto is here and it's here to stay. In fact, I just listened to an interview with ECFA and they talked about a church receiving a $10 million donation, another one receiving a $1 million donation, all from cryptocurrency. So today, my guests and I are gonna be discussing what you need to know about cryptocurrency, what it is, how it works, Secondly, why it's crucial that you set up a specific account to receive cryptocurrency right now in the fourth quarter of 2021. We'll even talk about how cryptocurrency can transform your support of missions outside the United States, a very interesting part of the discussion. So today, my guest is Jeff Hensley. He's the director of Generis' Total Advancement Solution. He's been in this business for over 20 years, working with churches and nonprofits, and educational institutions of all kinds. He's served as a, fun, a fundraising coach for a variety of campaigns, everything from a $1 million campaign to a $300 million campaign. He studied at Wheaton College as well as got his graduate degree from Yale University. So let's check out my interview with Jeff Hensley. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the Church Plus podcast, my friend. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, really looking forward to this topic. I can't think of something that's more relevant right now. As we get into the fourth quarter of 2021, we're talking about a lot of people, whether it's a faith-based nonprofit or a church, gearing up for some year-end push in terms of their vision, their messaging. But included in this is something probably different than any other year-end, and that is the entire discussion around cryptocurrency. Big discussion, a lot of details here, probably a lot of confusion around this topic because it is different. Uh, It's a digital currency, as we know. So let's just kind of start off and talk a little bit about why you think uh, this is such an important topic for both faith-based nonprofit leaders as well as church leaders and pastors to know about. Well, John, thanks for raising uh, this important issue. I, I think it's extremely important for church leaders because this is a way that people are now exchanging value. They're 
using cryptocurrency as a tool to buy and sell items. It's becoming an extremely popular place to invest money now because of its escalated value. And we've been hearing from donors that this is an area they want to give now. Uh, can a church, for example, accept a gift of cryptocurrency? Would that ability encourage generosity at your church? And would you continue to demonstrate the relevance that your church has to engage current uh, situations, economic climates, et cetera, the ways in which your donors want to give, you need to be open to accepting gifts in that way. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Jeff. That's exactly right. In fact, in an El Salvador just made cryptocurrency like their currency. <laughs> they did, they did. And so we could maybe see that as a trend moving forward. I, you know, I think we're beyond the days where people are thinking, well, is this just a fad? Yeah. Is it going to go out of existence? Uh, I think we're, we're really seeing the fact that uh, major uh, cryptocurrency coins like Bitcoin are going to be here to stay and they're growing and they're going to become more and more a part of our economy. And so churches risk being left behind if they're not engaged in this discussion. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think you're right. I mean, when I start, first started hearing about it, I was like, whatever, probably like most people, a little bit of a late adapter in that particular uh, area. And then, uh, but I think you're right. I think we're over the threshold of saying, ah, eh, fad, it's probably going to go away instead of saying as a church leader, yeah, we got to take this thing seriously. Okay, well, let's just break this down. Uh, let's let's go for uh, cryptocurrency for dummies for a moment. <laughs> Why don't you explain what crypto is, like Bitcoin, how it works? Kind of give us some uh, give us some idea of what we're dealing with here. Sure. Well, at at its root, it's a digital currency that can be used to buy goods and services. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that way, it it functions just like cash but it's it's digital and and the analogy that i use and i think john you and i will date ourselves here if we understand this analogy but remember when you went to the the old arcade back in the 70s and the 80s yep you gave cash and you got these little tokens mm -hmm. and those tokens allowed you to play games and uh, a game that you really liked might cost more tokens than a game you didn't as much like uh we asserted value and, and, and agreed upon a shared value to these tokens. And that's really what a cryptocurrency is. It's, uh, we, we determine a value to the digital currency and then the exchange of that digital currency happens on what's called blockchain, which is a series of interconnected computers that log, that register through a ledger the transaction and why why this is becoming more and more popular really for two reasons. One, you don't have to mess with institutional banks and uh, foreign currency exchanges. So you can buy something across the world in a Bitcoin that doesn't require you to go from translating, say, the US dollar to the Japanese yen. Hmm. Uh, and and in those transactions, as you know, banks get service charges. They they get a, uh, a foreign currency exchange charge. And so it has become a much more efficient economic way to, uh, to trade and, and buy services. The second reason it's becoming more and more popular is because there's that blockchain ledger of these transactions, there's a degree of security and um, transparency to the, to the transactions that really uh, prevents uh, 
certain kinds of fraud or abuse. Now, can it prevent all kinds of fraud and abuse? Of course not. Uh, but there's a higher degree of security given the, uh, the, the cryptology of these blockchains uh, that, that doesn't exist in other forms of exchange like wire transactions or, doing, or dealing with an institutional bank. Okay, yeah, that is so helpful. Okay, so first of all, we're, we're, we're dealing like uh, the arcade uh, transaction. I love that. Thank you for making it, uh, you know, crypto for dummies here. Uh, <laughs> that I go in, I buy some tokens, I get to play the game. So very helpful there in terms of that analogy. Secondly, because of the blockchain concept, uh, people are able to buy internationally without the exchange, which is, which is very interesting because obviously we're dealing now with a global economy that is smaller and smaller and smaller every day. And I'm able to purchase things internationally without the exchange rate. That, that's very, very helpful. And then of course, we're dealing with security issues always when it comes to anything financial, any kind of transaction. And this is obviously preventing some of the abuses of fraud that could happen. So that's kind of helping me really uh, wrap my mind around the idea of why people are moving that way. Obviously, so far, I've been hearing a lot of the negative that obviously this can be used, in essence, to hide money, launder money, that type of thing. Uh, and so I've been hearing some of the negative. How would you speak to that in terms of some of the negative things that obviously cryptocurrency could be used for? Sure. Well, as I said, there's no system that's going to be completely impervious to abuse. Uh, we're humans. We as Christians believe we're fallen humans, and so we're susceptible uh, to those temptations. Uh, this system, though, has a, a way of decentralizing that ledger of, of record uh, such that numerous computers uh, can log these transactions because they're communicating one with another through a network of exchange. So that means that there's, there are more records being kept on a particular transaction than say a one-to-one -one bank to consumer transaction. Hmm. So that allows for greater transparency of the transactions and thus a greater accountability. If one system sees a problem, it can flag that to the others and, and it can be dealt with accordingly. I think that you, your question is raising, a, I think that the number one challenge for cryptocurrency moving forward, and that's what role will the US government say or other governments around the world play in regulating this economy? Mm -hmm. Right now it's fairly unregulated. It, it, they, they leave the regulation as it were up to the individual participants within the ecosystem. Uh, so how could we uh, think about regulation of this economy moving forward? And is that going to put some limits on the ways in which one can do transactions? Those are questions churches can't really, uh, you know, weigh in on or, or control. Uh, I think what, what we could control from a church perspective is just reminding people that they always need to be careful in dealing with any kind of financial transaction because of the susceptibility of a fraud and an abuse. Um, and, you know, one of the trends I'm seeing a lot, John, recently is that some churches that have been kind of on the forefront of thinking about the values of cryptocurrency are starting to use it for good. And I'll give you an example. Uh, I mentioned earlier the, the lack of fees of transaction from one currency to another. A, a, a church uh, in Alabama has a 
satellite mission in, uh, you mentioned El Salvador, it's actually in El Salvador. Yep. And the El Salvador, you know, in the past, they would send US dollars to be converted into the El Salvadorian currency. They would have to pay the bank fees, they would wire fees, et cetera. It would take time. That transaction takes several days to make. Uh, they've switched over to exchanging with their ministry partner in cryptocurrency. They've eliminated the fees. They've uh, heightened the, the and increased the time at which they can, uh, you know, make a response. It's it's much shortened in that regard. They can get the money to to their partners immediately, and uh, their their ministry partners then able to use it more efficiently and effectively for their ministry. So. There are really opportunities, I think, for Christian churches to start thinking about their their foreign missions, as it were, their international work yep. in cryptocurrency terms as a way of increasing their efficiency and effectiveness. That's a huge point, Jeff, because let's face it, the United States of America has been the leader in missions giving for forever, for as long as I, I know of, long as I've sure. been looking at uh, data along that lines. And so the ability to do this in an easier way, less fees and more secure, that's a huge, huge advantage. Okay, well, let's kind of break this down for a minute then. Let's talk a little bit about how a church can receive it. First of all, we've got to realize that we do have to receive cryptocurrency differently than other forms, you know, giving online, digital giving platforms, that kind of thing. Here's just a side note as we kind of get into this discussion, kind of whet the appetite for a moment. I just watched a YouTube video, a couple of experts on cryptocurrency, kind of preparing for the podcast. Gentleman talked about the fact that he had seen both a $10 million gift as well as a $1 million gift in crypto to a ministry and or a church. I don't recall which, but obviously people are very interested in making donations in crypto. So this is, this is a big deal. And so let's talk a little bit about what a church should be thinking about, how they could set this thing up, kind of walk us through that process. Sure, absolutely. I think, you know, particularly churches based in tech hubs around the country, I'm thinking of Silicon Valley, obviously uh, the Raleigh-Durham area where I live, the Atlanta area where you live, uh, the Austin area, New York, there are several urban centers where I think this, this kind of... Uh, exchange is going to be extremely popular, particularly for younger donors, uh, mm -hmm. younger members of your church who might have already been early adopters of cryptocurrency. I mean, think about it this way. In <clears throat> 2017, so almost five years ago, a Bitcoin was selling at $1,000 a coin. Wow. Uh, today, it's selling at $47,000 a coin. Oh, my gosh. And it was earlier, you know, this year before it kind of had some drop off uh, as high as $65,000, $67,000 a coin. Mm -hmm. So you can see the incredible appreciation of that asset, even over a four to five year period. That makes it extremely attractive as a giving tool. Why? Because if a owner of a, of a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin goes ahead and cashes in a certain number of coins, they're going to have to pay capital gains tax on the, uh, the value of the coin that has increased since its purchase. Wouldn't that be wonderful as a way of encouraging people to avoid that capital gains tax as, as offering it as a giving tool for your church? Hmm. So I think the first thing a church needs to do is figure out how can we receive those gifts? And that has been kind of a real 
impediment, I think, to churches uh, participating in this, this action because it, it has been difficult in the past. Uh, cryptocurrency is exchanged through a system of exchanging those coins through a wallet. So you open a wallet with an organization like Coinbase or, or other organizations, Coinbase is, is the, probably the most popular wallet provider. And that allows you to kind of hold your currency or the variety of currencies like you would in, in a wallet in your back pocket. And when you're ready to make an exchange, uh, you open your wallet and you send uh, some coins out of your wallet to the person that's receiving it uh, to then uh, get your goods and services that you've purchased. It was difficult for churches early on to open wallets because of the red tape of going through a 501c3 status or uh, demonstrating to uh, organizations like Coinbase that they were legitimate uh, charities. And so that was an onerous process. And I think it discouraged a lot of churches who looked at this from a, a, a you know, a, a, in an early perspective uh, early on in, in this conversation. The good news is over the last year and a half to two years, the, the landscape has changed. There's been the emergence of organizations like the Giving Block that will help set this up for churches and process gifts. Also, if the church uses PayPal or some other uh, online giving platforms, PayPal now accepts gifts of cryptocurrency and they will, for a fee, convert the, the gift to cash. Uh, so there are new ways that churches can uh, uh, tap into the cryptocurrency giving market that don't require them to open their own wallet and do their own gift processing. It's a, it's a, a difficult uh, process to navigate, I think, for a, a church. Their work should be focused on their ministry, not so much on the gift processing. So I'm, I'm a strong believer in either... Uh, a, retaining a service like the Giving Block or using platforms like PayPal uh, to process gifts. The good news, actually, John, is that 95% of all cryptocurrency gifts to date are gifts through what we call donor advice funds. Hmm. So churches need to be engaged with donor advice funds. These are a system uh, uh, funds through which a donor sets up a fund that, that he or she then directs those funds out of. It's kind of a small uh, foundation, as it were. And as we know, Fidelity and Schwab and Vanguard, all of these for-profit investment companies have established nonprofits to house these DAFs, donor advised funds. Mm -hmm. The beauty of a DAF is that that is cash, a cash gift out to a church. What a donor who wants to give in cryptocurrency, if you as a church don't yet have a relationship with Giving Block or with PayPal, you can ask that donor, do you have a donor advice fund? And if they do, then you can suggest to that donor, give your cryptocurrency gift to your donor advice fund. Fidelity will um, convert the uh, funds, uh, the cryptocurrency into cash, and then have Fidelity direct your gift uh, to us accordingly. So there are workarounds uh, that are, I think, very helpful that could get you to the point as a church of actually receiving cryptocurrency. But the gifts that you're talking about uh, that you heard about on that webinar of, of 1 million, of 10 million, I think are gonna become more and more common because of the unbelievable appreciation of this asset over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Someone could have casually bought five or six crypto coins for you know less than $5,000 and today it'd be worth 
you know, north of $300,000, $400,000. That's a mm -hmm. wonderful way to make a, a huge capital gift to, say, a church campaign uh, that could make a real difference to the campaign itself, but also relieve the donor's uh, tax burden because of that gift. Yeah, Jeff, that is so helpful. A lot of great information there, but let's go back and highlight a couple of things that maybe as a church leader, they're listening and thinking, okay, give me a quick review here. So you have to set up something like giving block. And I just had heard recently on that webinar with ECFA that the verification part of giving block is the thing that seems to take some time. So if I'm it a does. church, I want to use giving block. He said, setting it up, very simple, getting the verification takes some time. And so here would be key number one is if you're going to go down this road as a church and receive crypto, you probably want to get on that sooner than later. In other words, I, I wouldn't wait till November, certainly not to December, because you you may not have verification because they obviously take that stuff very seriously. We got we got to know, right. are you really who you say you are? Secondly, giving block would be a great uh, idea. PayPal, another uh, great tip there as well. They do accept crypto. And then I love the, the third option you talked about, which was the donor advised fund. I can do all my giving through a donor advised fund. Uh, and that's really good to know. So National Christian Foundation, Vanguard, right. Fidelity, these types of things can really help you, you know, work that through because, uh, and maybe this is one of the big points for today, because the gift of cryptocurrency is not treated like a cash gift to a church. It's treated like an appreciated asset, which is much different, correct? correct? Yes. And it's a little confusing because you, you say, well, it's a currency, right? And so you would think it would be treated like cash. But see, unlike cash, it has extraordinary appreciation potential. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why the IRS deemed it, I believe, in 2014 as an appreciated asset rather than a cash currency. So because of that, any gift over $5,000, the nonprofit or in the church's case, would need to provide a form 8283 uh, IRS form for those gifts. And that's easily obtained off of the web. Uh, and it's the donor's responsibility for filling out that form and uh, ascertaining the, the total value. The church's responsibility would simply be to say that uh, John Bennett gave us three Bitcoin on X date, uh, and uh, we're very grateful for that gift. And then the donor, him or herself, will then determine the value of that based on, on the trade-in mm -hmm. uh, at that time and then fill out their own tax form accordingly. Uh, giving block, those services will help with that process as well. And that's another reason to, to uh, use that kind of service uh, for processing cryptocurrency. Uh, but yes, it is an asset. It's regarded by the IRS as an appreciated asset. And so it has the same kind of rules and restrictions and requirements that a gift of stock or securities would entail. Yeah, again, very helpful, Jeff. Uh, I like it. So uh, kind of break it down for us. Uh, I'm pastor of a church. I'm listening to this. Uh, I know that some people, uh, certainly some tech, maybe tech savvy, tech friendly people in my church have gone down there or they're investment friendly. Uh, and I want to begin to get the word out here in the last quarter of 2021. Hey, just to let you know, if you're in that category, we can receive 
uh, cryptocurrency, what do I need to do to start? We've already talked about, you know, maybe a giving block, that kind of thing. So what do I need to do to start? And then what do I want to make sure is on my website uh, to be able to communicate about that? Right, exactly. Great question. So yes, start to figure out how you want to process the gifts and make sure you have that in place before you really start marketing to your congregation that you can accept those kinds of gifts. Uh, I think secondly, you want to then, as you start marketing, you want to make sure that on your giving page, you have an opportunity that says, I can give through, I would, I would in, desire to give a gift of cryptocurrency. And then that link on your website would either take them to a place like Giving Block that could do a, uh, a landing page for you, or uh, it would trigger some communication back from the church to say, uh, we will be in touch with you to process this gift. So I think you know, the, the first thing I would say about the church's website is you need to, to say loud and clear that you're capable yep. and appreciate accepting gifts of cryptocurrency. And I think uh, then secondly, you can start promoting that through your church communication. Uh, maybe even if you have already a gift of cryptocurrency, interviewing that person, maybe through a, a short embedded video or uh, some quote uh, from that interview that says why they gave and why they felt it was so important to give. Uh, again, this, there's an educational moment here for your congregation. Some, some folks in the congregation, even who own Bitcoin, might not realize they can give Bitcoin to charity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it, it's it's so new and it's so uh, such a a new level of, of fundraising that uh, some people might not realize that. I, I was talking with one of our colleagues uh, at Generis who is working with a church in uh, Hoboken, New Jersey, and and she said that that they were able to accelerate and in and deepen generosity amongst some of their youngest donors by simply mentioning that the church would take gifts of cryptocurrency in addition to gifts of cash and stock. And they identified three or four individuals that uh, were motivated by that communication alone to give out of their crypto assets. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a really a great opportunity for the church to engage the congregation about ways of giving and, and the implicit message that it sends to the congregation is our church is willing to work with you and make giving uh, you know, easy for you and compatible with your own sense of your own assets and your own preferences. So it, it furthers the engagement uh, with the church of, of the members of the congregation. And I think you'll find some amazingly generous gifts of, of cryptocurrency from people you would not suspect would have the capacity to give at that level simply because they're young and they got into this market at the right time, which meant they were early adopters. Yeah, uh, excellent summary. That very helpful. I love the entire idea of an educational piece. Let's make sure we really lay this out as an option. And by the way, you can give at, the, you know, we, we are not only able to receive your gift, but this is how you can give. So I think that's a really good point. Uh, engineers, you know, we coach um, our uh, church clients all the time to make sure on the website that you're very, very clear in terms of the why of giving gifts, how we receive gifts, what are the options to give gifts. And so literally laying things out very clear on the website is going to be key, as well as, you know, talking about that and some end of the year messaging will be will be super helpful. So that's you know, good. It's a, it's a great way to convey to your congregation too, uh, I think an important theological point. 
which is that everything that we own is a gift from God and ultimately belongs to God, even digital assets. You know, we think we've thought, you know, in the past about tangible assets, right? Things that we can see or touch or feel or even see in our portfolio for thinking about stocks. But even in the digital space, God is there and owns that uh, and has given that to us and, and has thus a claim on, on it uh, through us. And so it, it gives yet another opportunity for us to celebrate that, that real truth. Yeah, I like that, Jeff. You know, I've been working on a new definition of giving, and uh, I think it, I think it's as simple as moving some of God's assets. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Just yeah. moving God's assets around. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, I've got one last question. I love to ask it of every guest. They always tell me it's their favorite question. You may be the first that says, no, I hate this question, John, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is, uh, if you could wave your magic wand... Uh, what would you wish for every church in America today? Wow, it's a great question. Um, I think I'll play off of a little bit of what we were just talking about in terms of, you know, offering cryptocurrency as a way of engaging your congregation. I, I, I would hope that that churches, particularly as we're coming out of this pandemic, and hopefully we're coming out of it, right? Yep. Uh, that uh, they will double down on finding creative ways to engage their, the members of their church, whether that's through offering creative ways of giving, whether that's through educating them, whether that's through uh, providing resources for them uh, in, in, you know, why shouldn't the church be a leader in providing resources around the financial context of this world and how can we as Christians engage it in a responsible way. Uh, you know, any way that we can engage our congregations such that they will continue to remain faithful to coming to church, to participating and to giving, I think that's going to be a real challenge for us in the next few years as we come back to church from this pandemic. Who's going to come back and at what level in, of engagement are they going to come back in? And are we as churches offering the very best ways for them to engage? Well said. Well said. Well, Jeff, hey, this has been really, really helpful. Thank you for spending a few minutes with uh, me and the Church Plus podcast. I know there's a lot of pastors uh, that will get a lot out of this conversation, and I'm looking forward to getting this out here in a couple of weeks, uh, specifically in this fourth quarter of 2021 to help people uh, really get this thing uh, incorporated in their, uh, in their giving platforms. All right, Jeff, thank you, Great. sir. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Church Plus podcast today. I know there are literally hundreds of podcasts you could have listened to, so I'm grateful you've tuned in today. We always appreciate your support. You can subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or rate and review the podcast. Till next time, this is John Bennett with the Church Plus podcast.